Welcome everyone to another episode of Friday PM. We're so happy that you can join us today. Wherever you're joining us from in the world, you are welcome. And if you're new to Friday PM, you are especially welcome. And we pray that you'll be mightily, mightily blessed today. We've had so many people that have been blessed by Friday PM and we give God all the glory. Uh, it's just amazing to see how God can direct people specifically to what they need to hear. So maybe there's a specific reason why you have joined us today. So God richly bless you. Well, I'm very honored and privileged to receive a great, great friend in the studio today. Um, he's driven down all the way from York with his wife and uh, Michael Askew. Great to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> We've been looking forward to it. Uh, you and your wife, Trish, have become just uh, great friends to the ministry. You know, sometimes you have people that are, you meet them in ministry, they're ministry friends, and some people really become more than that. And uh, we've stayed in their home many times uh, in York, and uh, so great that you can visit us for a change. We can, we can retaliate <laughs> with the hospitality side of things. Well, it's been quite an experience, I have to say, so <laughs> to see you all together like this in your own home. It's been an inspiration, actually. Wow, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Great. Well, um, you know, when we saw in, you in York last time, we were just sharing a little bit about just how wonderful God can work through us, and especially in the marketplace. And that's kind of what inspired and triggered uh, you being even on our program today. So, Michael, where did things start out for you? I'm sure perhaps, you know, you read a a very successful place now in your life where God's blessed you um, business-wise and financially that things are going well. But it wasn't always like that, was it? Well, I suppose if to give you the full context, I really ought to go back uh, to tell you a little bit about my early life, if you can bear with me for that. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I always, you know, from very young age, was, was interested in scientific things, especially uh, around the, the area of physics. Uh, particle physics has, has always been and still is a, a great love and interest of mine. Uh, but I was an atheist until the age of 18. Uh, and then I had an encounter on the street with street evangelists. And the, uh, it was quite an experience really because I came to mock. But actually I realized as I began to talk to these people that the Jesus that they were speaking about was real and stood astride the universe like a mighty colossus. And wow. I had no more choice in the matter of, of how I responded to him than, uh, well, the analogy I, I felt at the time was, it was like driving in your car and have three police cars full of policemen surrounding you on the motorway, all of them signaling, pull in. You know, you, you, you don't have a choice in that situation. And although it felt like leaping off a cliff into the unknown, I really didn't feel like I had a choice. So right there on the street in the middle of Birmingham, I committed my life to Jesus Christ. And I've been learning about what that means ever since. So that's really the, the background. But because of the interest in, in physics, I trained as a physics teacher. I did a degree in physics and then uh, teaching qualification. I got a job in York and I was happily engaged in teaching physics and other subjects for about 13 years. But after 13 years, uh, I began to 
sense that God was um, calling me to do something else. I had an opportunity to do, to do some, to, I learned about computer programming and I did some work f on a commercial basis in a very, very small way. And I realized that uh, there was an opportunity there in the market to develop a product that was fitted to our, our market and re requirements in the UK. So I applied for a grant with the Department of Trade and Industry and to their amazement as well as mine, I actually received that grant to support the software development of the product that was needed. Um, I had some Christian friends in Northern Ireland who, uh, who helped with the capital funding to start up. And after a rather nervous six months of seeking God and trying to hear what he was saying, I handed in my notice as a teacher and started uh, work running a, a software company. I say running a software company, it was only just me, and, and that was it, and I was working out of a back bedroom. And so, uh, you did the running. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to begin by doing everything. So when I started the business, I mean, I really knew nothing about business, about money, about financial finances. I knew not that much about computers. So in lots of ways, it was a crazy thing to do. And I wouldn't recommend it to anybody unless you were absolutely certain that God was leading you into it. And it, I spent six months over that decision and God spoke to me in lots of different ways. And although everything up, leading up to that had been uh, very smooth and successful, it was all very clear the way I was going. As soon as I'd actually committed myself, it all went wrong. <laughs> And you don't learn best when everything's going well, because you don't have to change anything. You learn best when things are going wrong and you have to realize that you know, you're, you're not where you should be. What you're doing is needs adjusting and changing and, and improving. So the first two years particularly were very difficult. Um, we, took, we had enough to live on before I launched out into the computing world, uh, but I took a 70% cut in income to do so. So we went from just enough to 30% of just enough. <laughs> and, uh, but the wonderful thing was God provided for us all the way through that time. And we never were in debt, which is an amazing thing to say. Uh, we were never unable to give our children their pocket money. And lots of Christian friends helped us in all sorts of ways. We, we were miraculously helped. And it was a learning experience for us because up to that point, we'd always lived on our income and it was just enough and we'd never expected to need any more than that and we never got any more than that and that was okay. But we began to see that God can provide your need in every situation and that's exactly what we, we experienced. So it was a, a tough time. It was a difficult time. We had no financial resources to fall back on. We had no savings, no, nothing like that. Uh, but God provided for us in that condition. And gr gradually, 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 we climbed out of that difficult situation, began to pick up one or two customers, and things began to move forward. So that's the, that's the background of how we got to where we were. Now, that's actually 37 years ago when that happened. And I was well into my teaching career. So it's still happening, but it's exciting. Wow, Michael, great testimony. I'm blessed already. I'm sure many viewers are already touched by that. Um, I think the, the question is really, 
how do we bring God into the marketplace? Because I think many for some Christians that they feel perhaps, you know, they love the Lord and perhaps on Sunday they had a great time at church, but then Monday comes, it's Monday time, business time, blessing time, but it's business. It's strictly business kind of thing. Um, It's not an easy thing, but I think maybe you can help give a tool or two for someone to say, well, how do we bring God into our marketplace, into into our Monday to Friday? Well, I guess it's the same for every Christian everywhere, that when you start your day, you commit it to the Lord and you say, I want to be your servant today. I want to be doing the things that please you. I want to be effective as a Christian witness. And when you do that, God will help you and and will answer that. And so uh, you'll be able to act in a way that's consistent with your Christian faith. When the opportunities arise, you'll be able to show the love of Christ to people. One of the things I find as a managing director of a company now of 28 people, uh, I have a kind of pastoral role with, with folks. So when I interact with them, even though it's during lockdown, it's just over the uh, video conferencing. What I will do is I'll find out a little bit about their lives and how they're doing, or how the family, what the situation is. And by showing interest and showing concern, then you are building a human relationship with people. And that kind of friendship relationship, that human understanding is a bridge over which the gospel can come. And all of us, especially in the West, everywhere in the world is difficult, but particularly in a skeptical Western society, uh, people are not looking for the gospel to reach them with open arms. They're not, they're not hanging onto your coattails to say, what must I do to be saved? They have to see that the Christian faith is real first. And one of the best ways that you can do that is by showing your concern, showing your support, having a joke with them, just building that relationship. And then the opportunity will come when somebody will say, well, actually, I'm, I'm a bit worried at the moment. I've got this problem. I've got to go into hospital. I'm going to have tests. And then, then you can say, well, I'm going to be praying for you. And of course, once you've done that with somebody who's not a Christian, then you're really on the line because now they have to see that God is going to show up. So it'll drive you to your knees in a way that many things won't because you know it's God's honor that's at stake much more than yours. But that's a good thing. You know, it means we're, we're constantly praying. And I, I take part of my week to specifically pray about uh, colleagues at work and there are some that I'm, I'm able to witness to on an ongoing basis and they start to pray as well and they begin to see that, yeah, yeah, this, this is happening, this is real. Uh, so I, I would say it's um, just letting your whole Christian life reflect itself in the way you relate to people but also, of course, in the ethical standards that, that you hold. And it isn't always possible to do that very easily to assert a Christian ethic in a building business environment that you don't control. And we've got some good examples in the Bible there. If you think about the um, Daniel and the three young men who were taken into training in a highly secular, well, in fact, um, uh, an environment that was spiritually hostile where they worshipped idols, foreign gods and so forth. The things they could control they did, which was what they prepared to eat. The things they couldn't control, what they were called by other people, they didn't make a big fuss about. So we have to do the same. You know, as Christians, if we can't control the environment, then we'll take what we can control and make sure we make it Christian. And the things we can't, uh, we won't make a fight about it. 
but God will provide a way to, for you to, to make your, to nail your colors to the mast. And people will know pretty quickly. I remember once when I was teaching, I was just working away at a desk and somebody was going into an, to a locker uh, just above me. The books all fell down on top of my work. And um, the, the chap made, produce some expletive and then said, excuse my French vicar. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, people know the, these things. So, you know, we can communicate our, our faith in, in lots of ways. Uh, and uh, somebody has said, I, this is not my words, but I think they're very true. Your life is the Bible that some people, the only Bible that some people will read. So it's important that our life speaks volumes um, in every possible way. Mm. Fantastic. Um, as we were getting near to talking about this topic, uh, the subject, sorry, I found this on a website called uh, theologyofbusiness.com. So if you want to read up on that, I found that to be quite a good one. And just reasons why we should do what you're talking about, Michael. And I, th I thought this was fantastic. And the reason for why we need to do this, he says, the marketplace is a more authentic showroom of Christianity. He says, if you're shopping for a car, you'd probably go to a showroom, right? Right. Before you bought anything, you probably want to see if the car actually functions properly on the road. You might even ask the dealer to allow you to take the car home for a day or two to test it out. The local church is like the showroom of Christianity, which is what you shared. The marketplace is the test drive. <laughs> the marketplace is where our unbelieving co-workers get to see if they really want what we have. Mm. Daily, they see how we react under pressure. They see how we treat people. They see how much God truly matters to us in our daily lives. Most people aren't even coming to the showroom anymore. So marketplace Christians are now serving as both the showroom and the test drive of Christianity. This is true. And one of the things that's very important to people is, does it work? In other words, if you live like a Christian, many people will assume that you'll get taken to the cleaners and you'll be you know, taken advantage of and people will do you over and, and so on and so forth. They think that the business world is just a dog-eat-dog -dog, um, fight for survival. And there's some truth in that. But what is more true is that when we commit our way to the Lord and we follow his leading and we follow his wisdom, what we find is that the Holy Spirit is the most practical person on earth. And the things that he leads us to do really do succeed. You know, if we're committed to the kind of excellence, the kind of uh, faithfulness to Jesus and all the precepts of, of the Bible, then we're actually getting plugged in to the most practical um, handbook you can have for living. You know, because we've been designed to work in a particular way by God since before the foundation of, of the universe. And he's designed us to work in such a way that our lives are fruitful and successful. They may not make us millionaires, but they will make us successful in the things that God has called us to do. So it's been a, a, an education for our staff on, in our company to see that when you follow God and you aim always to do the, the right thing, when we interview people, for example, we say this is a a non-lying, non-swearing environment, as well as a non-smoking environment that, <laughs> that you come into. And they maybe get a bit startled by that, but they begin to understand after a while that the relationships between staff are always conducted on a courteous, respectful basis, that um, our discussions are intended to be, and they are 
required to be egoless, so there's no sort of strutting around and asserting your dominance or your personality. We're trying to do the best we can for our customers and everybody we interact with. So whether it's customers or suppliers or the state or the tax system, whoever we deal with, our aim is to be as helpful as we can to them. So by having that attitude to say, we're here to help, that really, really works. Because when you talk to your customer and they say, well, you know, we've got this problem and I know it's not really your thing, it's not your responsibility, but we're a bit in a quandary. That's fine, we're here to help. And so if we can help you, we possibly will. And even if it's not our responsibility, we'll try and look after you. Now, of course, it has to be commercially viable. So we have to be realistic about our prices and about the, the way we draw up contracts and agree to contracts. Uh, we can't be silly about it, we have to be sensible. But at the same time, um, what we've discovered is that when you take that approach, over time, your name gets known and people will know that these are people of integrity, the product and the service they provide is of excellent quality, that they will never be treated unfairly and they are good people to do business with. So that's another way of backing up the fact that the Christian faith works, God's truth is real, it's practical, and it's effective in the world. And it, it just works. Yeah. You know, it's the right thing to do, but it also is an effective thing to do. Well, my, Michael, I mean, our very character and, and nature as Christians, and if we have Jesus, then of course we will have supernatural wisdom. Yes. We will exude wisdom, things that we'll, we'll do or say something that they'll think, well, how did you get to that? Yes. And then that could be a source of sharing our faith. Well, you know, this came to me in the night as I was praying. God gave it to me. Yes. Yes, well, you're absolutely right, because particularly if you're working in software or anything technical, everything you do is about problem solving. And so because you come to a problem and you just don't know what the answer is, what I do as a Christian is to pray about it. And it's a little bit sometimes like when you read in the Bible, you read something and you think, I don't really understand that. And then you can ask God just to show you. And it's amazing how often and how quickly he will shed the light that you need. And it's the same at work. You know, when you have a problem, you don't know how to solve it. It's a technical problem. It's a personnel problem. You know, it's something to do with finances, anything, doesn't matter what it is. When you ask God for, for wisdom, he gives it. The promise is, Whatever you, whenever you need wisdom, you can ask for it and he'll give it liberally without criticizing you for needing it. Mm. Of course, you have to ask in faith, but the more you ask and the more you receive, the more that faith, that confidence that God will indeed answer builds up over time. And then you can begin to share it with your colleagues, um, the fact that you, you always pray about these things. And some people will be ready for that and some people won't yet be ready for that. So the fact that we are working together with other people does not give us a license to preach every minute, mm. but every action preaches the reality of what we are and the way we speak, the way we relate to people also communicates it. But then we pray for those windows of opportunity to bring the Word of God to people. Yeah, Michael, and I mean, I've had personal experience a bit with this as well. Um, it's like in the marketplace, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be a weak, old, oh, I'm sorry, sorry to live kind of attitude that we're the humblest person in the office and we don't open our mouths. It doesn't mean that. I think our characters, you probably find this, that at times where 
perhaps someone deserves a certain kind of disciplinary measure or word, the way we do that shows that we are gracious, maybe to oversee a matter yes. or, or to be gracious when, it's, when others won't. Yes. That, that is a testimony. So um, there are times where we have to turn the other cheek. So we, I'm sure we get those opportunities, <laughs> enough of them where that might separate us, right? Yeah. I, I think the, the key with all of these things is to really try and understand where the other person is coming from. Because if you leap in with both feet because you're offended or because it just looks obvious to you that what they're doing is wrong, you don't necessarily understand the background. Let me give you an example. Uh, one of my colleagues, and I didn't know this at the time, uh, went through a period of very deep depression. And it left certain scars with him even though he'd largely recovered. And it meant that he was very wary of doing tackling travel, for example, in a particular way. And when I first heard about this, I thought this was crazy and I was rather inclined to take the mickey because, you know, we pull each other's leg and it's all very lighthearted and so on. But after a while, I began to realize that there was a background to this and I needed to understand that. So over time, what's happened is I've understood this. He's been able to open up to me and speak about his background and the, just for example, um, a short while ago, my wife and I took him and, him and his wife out for a meal. And uh, we had a wonderful time together, but you could tell that there was a relaxation there. There was a comfort in talking to us, uh, which had grown up because I'd made an effort to understand the background to his life. And what you find as you meet a lot of people is that many people have gone through periods of depression, which have left a scar. So if we can understand where people are coming from and we can ask God to help us with that, then it will tailor and tune our responses to them. We may have to take disciplinary action. This does happen sometimes. We've got to be very careful that we do it in a way that is in accordance with the law, in accordance with Christian principles, and is done in a way that is not only right, but is seen to be right. Because people can be scandalized and put off by something that looks wrong, even if it isn't. So it's very important to pay attention to all those things and be extremely careful about them. Mm. So these things have happened in the past. We've had to deal uh, with members of staff who are not suited for the job and are no longer with us. But what I hope is that they will feel that the way um, they were dismissed was honorable and everything that could be done was done. Mm. Michael, you just touched on something and I think the message that you're sharing also is, is to take an interest in people. Mm. They're not just work colleagues um, because as this thing that I've read and what you've shared too is that this could be someone's opportunity to, to, to be exposed to Jesus um, and just to take an interest because I think especially with COVID, now we're even more so, we've We've kind of been conditioned now to keep our distance and not to talk much because what if, you know, we have to be realistic with the infection rates and different things and whatever, whatever. But, but just to take an interest in people, I think, is very important. And that's what you're sharing is, is just to find out who they are as people. Mm. And then I think the Lord will open the doors. Yes. Well, it, it's the only way we have, really. In a current environment, this is the best way to be able to communicate the gospel to, be, to people. Mm by building a relationship with them. You know, if you even just look at it from a statistical point of view, and there have been various studies about this that have been done, you'll find that 
people need to hear the gospel several times before they can accept it, but they also need to have relationships. And where you have the strongest relationships, you've got the best opportunity to share the gospel with people. Um, now, I'm actually currently several years past what is normally regarded as, as uh, retirement age. But I know that the minute I walk out of the door, I lose the opportunity to interact with 27 colleagues. You know, I just won't see them and it won't be the same. But I've got a certain window of opportunity where I'm meeting with and, and interacting with people that I, I work with. And this is my one opportunity. It may be their only opportunity. Yeah. They may not have other Christian friends uh, that can witness to them. So I've got to make sure that everything I do gives them the best chance, gives them the best opportunity to, um, to see Jesus and to respond to him. Yeah. I mean, you're basically touching on, on the passage that I would like to read, us being salt and light. And this is from Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, from the Message Translation. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how can people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. And then he says in verse 14, well, here's another way to, to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the, in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't you think I'm going to, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Yes, and it's all true. But what I would say is that, you know, we have to be very much different from the people around us to make them feel that there's something there that's real and that's worth having. And it's real, really a journey. And we're trying to take every opportunity we can to be shined up, to be, you know, polished up, uh, to be able to reflect His glory more than we do today. So we're on a journey and we're very far from the destination. So we're just a work in progress. Well, I know I am, but I'm working on it. Well, it makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, last thing maybe to touch on before we, before we pray. Um, I know personally you do believe in tithing. Now, I know this is something maybe personally that we do in our personal lives. Um, but yes, I, I know you believe in it. Can you encourage someone just to see the blessings of God and let that also be a part of, of the marketplace business something finance-related that could be a source of testimony in the, in the marketplace. Okay, um, well, maybe I can give you a little bit of background just to say we've been on a journey one, from it, when it comes to finances, my wife and myself, um, for quite a while. To begin with, we had a limited budget. We only had enough to live on. So it was very important to make sure we set aside a tenth of that for God. When we were hard up, we increased that. Uh, because if you're hard up, maybe that's a sign that you, you need to be really trusting God more, so let's, let's give more. As time has gone on and our financial circumstances have changed, we don't actually look at the percentage of our income anymore. We're just praying about everything 
that we, we, we give. Wherever we see opportunities to give, then we will pray about them and see, see what God feels for us. And it's been a real education, actually, because um, what we do is we sit down together as husband and wife, and then we pray and ask God to speak to us, and then we listen. And what we're asking is how much. And then we share notes after that. And what we're looking to do is to get the same number in both cases. And <laughs> Which is speaking, exciting. It's, it's, it's so exciting. exciting. And it's what happens. And mm. it, it's very, very rare for us, for us not to actually agree on, on what their number should be. So it's kind of an adventure, really. Wow. And I mean, the Bible says, you know, test me in these things. And we can't give out, out give God, can we? No, well, we've, we've, we've never been short. We've never, ever been short of money. And by the grace of God, we've been able to support different things. And we can't take it with us. We should use it. Um, I think it's true that um, John Wesley received an enormous amount of money um, by giving from people who wanted to support the work. And he gave us everything away apart from a small amount he kept for himself. I suppose you could call that kind of tithing. And when he died, he left very little money because all of it had been used for God's kingdom and just the little he needed to survive on or to, to flourish on, then he did. Well, praise the Lord. Listen, I've been, I've been really encouraged by this, Michael. And I know many people out there, doesn't matter where you are, whether you're retiree, you could be in that phase of your life, or you're just starting out in the workplace perhaps, or it doesn't matter where you are, God wants to use us. And I know you've given us some great tools, Michael, food for thought, food for prayer, and the practical application I really enjoyed uh, because it's an adventure, isn't it? I, I bet if you go to work, you see it as an adventure. Wow, God, what are you going to do today? You know, how can I share you today? Or how can something of your character flow through me today? Yes. Um, Michael, on that note, will you please pray for us as we come to a close? Um, and I know and I've, I've heard that you have prayed for people and God's answered that prayer. And so I know the prayer is going to be effective just to encourage someone in that walk um, that's maybe been having staleness in the marketplace or have been a little timid or shy, someone that have might be in a tricky place financially at the moment. Uh, so whatever God puts on your heart, okay. if you can please pray for us. I'll Thank do that. You. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have these tremendous promises that you have made us far more valuable than birds in the air and grass in the field. And you know all our needs before we ask, and therefore you have provided for us just as you promised, and you will do in the future. And therefore all anxiety can be put aside and we can be confident that you will provide for us. We thank you too that every Christian is called to a great and noble enterprise, which is to serve in the kingdom of God. And we therefore pray, Heavenly Father, for everybody who's watching and listening today that if you are in a quandary, if you're uncertain how to act, behave, and, and keep your head up as a Christian at work, we want to ask that the Holy Spirit will guide you and inspire you, that you will find strength sufficient for the day, that every day you go to work, you'll meet Jesus there, and you'll find that He was there before you even arrived. Heavenly Father, we, we pray so much for those in different situations, perhaps 
wondering what to do with the resources they have, maybe feeling the need of enough to be able to survive and support family, and maybe seeking to be generous towards the kingdom of God and all its financial needs. But for every person, whatever situation they may find themselves in, we want to pray with all our hearts that you will touch their lives, strengthen their spirits, give them clear guidance, show them how to live in a way that's honoring to Jesus and fruitful in this world. This is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name with every confidence that you hear us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, Michael. Oh, when you said about, when you talked about the Holy Spirit, I just realized that maybe someone listening think, well, how am I going to do it? I can't do it. I've been doing this for so long. How can I change my ways? It's only by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, as you said. Um, we need His power, that boldness that we need at work to step out and to do these things. So uh, I know the Lord's uh, touched people. So be encouraged as we all press forward. And the harvest is plentiful, Michael, isn't it? Mm. The harvest is plentiful. People are so ready uh, to receive more of the Lord. Uh, and I'm sure you've, you've shared evidence of this. Uh, there's so many needs out there. So bless you, Michael. Thank, Thank you. you for coming today. And uh, we do hope and trust that we'll see you again soon, maybe up there or even if you're down in, in our neck of the woods, uh, yes. that you'd come down and see us again. Uh, so we love you guys. We appreciate you. And uh, thank you for, for being a blessing to the body of Christ, uh, which you are. And uh, we know you're very plugged in into the church in York, the Redeemed Christian Church of God in York. Um, working, uh, you're a great assistant to Pastor Reuben and his wife up there. And, uh, and I know they, they really are blessed just having your full support in so many ways. So we just uh, appreciate you. So Thank you. Thank thanks you again much. for coming. It's been a pleasure. Praise it really God. has. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us again on Friday p.m. And we hope that we see you next week, same time, same place. And why Friday p.m.? Because it's the place to be. Praise the Lord. God bless you. And see you soon. Bye-bye.
Oh